1: following program has been brought to you by Kane Vineyard and Winery. Kane Vineyard and Winery supports Heritage Radio and the growing movement to change how Americans eat and how we think about our planet. For more information, visit www.kane5.com.
2: Welcome to Let's Get Real on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Erica Wides, your host. So it's been almost a week since Thanksgiving, five days or so, and maybe you still have a fridge full of leftovers, or um, maybe by now the leftovers are starting to get a little suspicious, suspect. You got a big pile of dry turkey in there because you bought and cooked too much of it, or uh, maybe you're just getting sick of stuffing. Maybe you already threw out your leftovers, Some people have a very short tolerance for leftovers. Or you can't stand to eat another turkey sandwich. Or maybe you're not eating sandwiches anymore because you gave up carbs. Maybe you just got rid of everything because you just couldn't stand the sight of it anymore. Well, you know, originally we were meant to celebrate Thanksgiving because we associate it with bounty and plenty. It's supposed to be a celebration of the final harvest of the year. Long, you know, before those long, dark days of winter start to set in. It's really a holiday to that we celebrate to remind us of the cycles of the planting year and the life and death cycle of our food. But who knows that? Who the hell knows that anymore? Do kids learn that in school? Is that what they teach them? Or do they hear the pilgrim story, see the turkeys, learn about Black Friday? Maybe Black Friday has become more of the mythology of Thanksgiving than the story of why we celebrate it. I mean, I know it because I'm like food history kind of dork. But I think most people's food history when it comes to Thanksgiving only goes back as far as maybe stovetop stuffing and canned cranberry sauce in the 70s. Or maybe you played a Brussels sprout in your school Thanksgiving play. I mean, for better or for worse, we don't really live that way anymore where we have to celebrate the cycles, the life and death cycles. And, you know, now that we've industrialized Our food system, those cycles don't really apply to us anymore. And since in the U.S. our food is so cheap, comparatively speaking, we really load up at the holidays kind of to give ourselves this false sense of bounty and of plenty. That cornucopia. People always use that cornucopia as like this emblem of Thanksgiving, but maybe they don't even know what it is. Anyway, because of that, because we kind of overload on it all, we, of course, wind up with a lot of leftovers. And those leftovers, unfortunately, don't often get eaten. Most of them wind up in the trash and then in landfills. And there are a couple cities around the U.S. now that have food waste recycling or municipal composting, but not too many. So most of us, we have food waste. What do we do? We just dump it in the garbage. And then from the garbage, it goes to a landfill. And in a landfill, which is a non Aerobic environment, the food rots and turns into methane, which is a bigger greenhouse gas than CO2. So, as we head into this most wonderful time of year, let me dump some preachy facts on you to make you feel just a little guilt ridden and overwhelmed so you can go into the holidays in the right frame of mind. So, while we're all busy, You know, putting our empty cans and bottles in the recycling bin after our big Thanksgiving meal. Just think about this. 35% of the Thanksgiving turkey meat that's purchased in the U.S. during the holiday doesn't get eaten. 35% of it gets thrown away. I mean, they've never even heard of turkey in Afghanistan, and we're throwing away a third of it. That's an outrage. So that's a good reason to eat your Thanksgiving leftovers this year. Another one is that that leftover, thrown-away turkey is going to collectively generate about a million tons of CO2. That's in the production of it. 95 billion gallons of water wasted from the production of the turkey. And 275 million wasted food dollars. Yeah. I mean, when you put it in terms like that, it kind of makes you go, ouch. It's kind of, mm. 15 to 20% of our municipal solid waste, which, you know, our garbage basically is food waste. Americans throw out 40% of our food a day. 40% of our food every day gets thrown away. Yes, in the garbage, thrown away. So why aren't we eating all of this stuff? We paid for it. Are we afraid of it? Have the food safety police scared us maybe into thinking that if food starts to get a couple days old, it's completely unsafe and that we'll drop dead if we eat it? Or maybe we're all victims of like this fear of expiration dates, these so-called mysterious expiration dates, which I'll get into a little bit later, but are basically totally meaningless, Or maybe we all just really secretly hate dried up leftover turkey and don't really want it. Like maybe the person who cooks our turkey overcooks it every year and it's dry and gross and we really just want to throw it out. I don't know. Have we gone so far down that foodiness rabbit hole that I love to talk about that we can't recognize the natural life and death cycles that our food goes through? Maybe that's the answer. I would say yes. I would say that's the answer. I mean, how the hell would we know our food's natural life cycle when we are not even familiar with our own? I mean, have you looked at Cher lately or Joan Rivers or Dolly Parton? How do we understand the cycle of birth and aging and decay and death when people like that are walking this earth? So let's get real about this. You're probably not that interested in food's life cycle. Maybe the closest you get to the life and death cycle of food in your daily food interaction is the old banana sitting on your counter that's starting to turn black, and you question whether it's edible still. And just as foodiness has given us the illusion of eternal seasonality, foodiness has also given us the illusion that food is supposed to stay forever young, like cereal or diet soda or protein bars, forever young. They don't go bad so we're so removed from food's natural life cycle that we don't know how to deal with it. We don't know how to recognize when something is ripe or not, or if something is still good to eat or not. So having lost our ability to tell how long food is good for, we throw real food away before it's time. Throwing away turkey five days after Thanksgiving because we think it's gone bad, well, five days may be pushing it. Yeah, five days. I'd still eat it today. Throwing it away after five days, because, it's, because we think it's gone bad, is like 25-year-olds getting preemptive Botox to prevent wrinkling. Just like we don't understand our own life cycle anymore, we don't understand our foods either. So how can you tell if your food is good or if your food has gone bad? Well, of course, the first thing you need to know is that food is supposed to go bad. Real food is alive. It lives and dies just like us. I know it's sad, but it's nature. We are nature. Food is nature. Think of it like the Lion King. It's part of the great circle of life. If Elton John is singing about it, maybe it makes it easier for people to accept. I personally would rather hear him sing Benny and the Jets than anything from the Lion King, but it still makes the whole thing easier to digest. So all food has a life cycle, and all real food spoils, except one. There is one food. This is like a good trivia question. If you ever ever at a cocktail party, you could say, there is one food on the planet that never goes bad. Do you know what it is? Answer, honey. Yep, really, honey. It never spoils. The only way your honey will get bad, go bad, is if you get water in it. Food spoilage in general is just all about water. The more water in a food, the faster it rots. Microbes like water, and the water attracts them. So the more water in a food, the quicker it'll go bad. Honey has almost no water in it. It never spoils. Now, salt technically never spoils either, but salt's not really a food. It's an edible rock. Did you know that? Salt is the only rock that we eat. It's also the only food that has no smell. Also excellent cocktail party fodder. You can thank me later. And I guess if we're talking about spoilage, we could say that foods like dried beans, rice, pasta, dehydrated foods, they'll live forever, too, if you keep them dry. They'll continue to get drier, though, and lose quality, and they take longer to cook as they age. But technically, yes, they don't spoil. So basically, the less water in a food, the longer it keeps. Basically, there's your lesson. There's the takeaway from that. Think of a raisin versus a grape. You leave them out on your counter for three weeks, what happens? The raisin gets raisinier. a the grape turns into a puddle of mold. But other than those few foods, all foods basically go through the same aging process as us. In some foods, like in some people, it happens really fast. Like lettuce or fish have very high amounts of water. And in some foods, it's much slower and can often improve the food it's controlled spoilage in foods like cheese or wine or fermented foods like pickles or sauerkraut or prosciutto salami those sorts of things actually benefit from controlled rot which is what that is spoilage is controlled by adding salt or removing water slows down the process so there's your food science lesson for the night so real foods expire like all animals and plants. Most foodiness foods, though, never actually expire, despite the date they may have printed on their packaging. So how can you tell if a real food has expired? Well, you can usually tell pretty easily when a real food has expired because it smells bad or it looks slimy or it's really wilted or it has some mold on it, although most mold can be cut away and the food can still be eaten. Or if all those other senses fail you, you can take a taste and then you'll know pretty quickly whether it's good or not. The same way that humans have determined the viability of our food since we came down from the trees of the savanna, by using our senses, that's how you tell if a real food has expired. We've known how to do it all along. It's in us. It's innate. Until now, foodiness has made us mistrust our senses or It's even overridden, our senses. It's put them into, like, sleep mode. Think about it. Garden burgers will never smell like rotten meat if they go bad. Veggie puffs don't get moldy like broccoli. Fruit roll-ups will never get soft and slimy like that tomato you found in the back of the vegetable drawer. It doesn't happen. Our ancestors in Africa didn't hunt and gather power bars, or pick fruit roll-ups off the tree. That stuff's all new to us humans. So there's no need to, d- to use and trust your senses when you're hunting a tofurkey in the supermarket. Or when you're foraging for cans of wild mushroom soup at Kroger. Your great-grandma in the Depression didn't toss out her last ounces of moldy cheddar because she saw some green on it. She just instinctively knew to cut off the moldy bits and serve it up to her probably starving or close to starving family and since we don't use our senses when we hunt and gather in the megamart, we need to rely on the mega food corpse to give us guidance and so they put expiration dates or use by dates on their processed products not because they'll eventually rot which most won't but because they want to scare you into thinking that they will so you'll use up or throw out the stuff you have and go buy newer stuff So the foodiness that doesn't go bad has an expiration date. I'll say that again. The foodiness that doesn't go bad has an expiration date. It's confusing enough to make you think you're at the mad tea party arguing with the rabbit about time, only not as kind of trippy and fun. I can't even get my head around that one. It's like the directions on the shampoo bottle. If you ever look at a shampoo container, it says shampoo, rinse, repeat, you don't have to repeat. You just washed your hair the day before. You weren't rolling in the mud. Unless you're some homeless person, you have filthy hair that you haven't washed in six months, you don't need to repeat. Did you ever think about that? It's only to make you buy more shampoo. It's like the expiration dates on foodiness products. Oh, I need to calm down. So anyway, here's some good foodiness conspiracy theory for you. Did you know that the only product for which use-by dates are federally regulated is infant formula. Yep, infant formula is the only food that is federally regulated to have a use-by date, nothing else. Beyond that, some states do regulate dates for some products, but generally use-by dates and best-by dates are manufacturer suggestions for peak quality. They're just a suggestion for peak quality. That's all. Now, I don't know about you, but the last time I sat down at a table and was given a packaged fruit and cereal bar and I ate it and thought, this isn't really quite at its peak of quality. I didn't send it back to the kitchen. I ate it. Well, I didn't eat it. I'm sure someone ate it. So sell-by dates are also really confusing and misleading. Sell-by dates, use-by dates, best-by dates, it's all very confusing. It's meant to confuse you. It's meant to make you scared and meant to make you buy more foodiness. A sell-by date is for the store to use, not you, in order to restock their shelves. Sell-by dates simply mean that the product is still fresh enough by that date to be taken home and then kept in the fridge for more Days or even weeks. So, just because your milk says November 29th doesn't mean that it'll automatically expire that night. It doesn't spontaneously go bad that night. It'll probably be good in your fridge for at least another week, especially because nowadays most milk, especially organic milk, is ultra pasteurized. So, it'll stay for weeks in your fridge. The date expires, not the milk. Eventually, it'll expire. It is a food product. It does go bad. But when it does, you'll know it. Don't you just instinctively smell your milk every time you open it anyway? And if you don't know what bad milk smells like, think back to maybe what your elementary school cafeteria smelled like. If it smells like my elementary school cafeteria, it's probably seen better days and you'll know that it's spoiled milk. So, expiration dates and Best Buy dates and sell by dates are kind of a scam just like foodiness is a scam. They're all designed to take you farther and farther away from real food and further down, yes, the rabbit hole. If you're eating real, there shouldn't be dates so much of your food anyway, you know, except maybe dairy products and maybe packaged fish and meat. If you buy the packaged pre-cut meat or fish, you should know how long that's been sitting there in that case wrapped in plastic. That's your right to know. Since it's wrapped up and you won't be able to smell it through the plastic, having the date on there at least gives you a sense of how old it is. You're always better off buying it cut fresh in a store where they have someone there, like a fish counter or a meat guy who can do it for you. You can find stores that still do that. Whole Foods does that. A lot of supermarkets do it now. And ask them if you can smell it first. You'd be amazed how much you can discern with your nose. Even if you think you don't know what bad smells like, you know what bad smells like. You've been smelling bad since you were born. Well, you haven't been smelling bad. You know what I mean. So letting food age and naturally decline is a scary thought in our overly sanitized world. We're removed from our food by many degrees and have fallen down that rabbit hole of foodiness so far that we're making ourselves sick from it. Did you know that food's age and begin to decay and as they age and begin to decay they actually can form more b vitamins yes certain foods develop b vitamins only as they begin to get older and so people in the west us are beginning to have vitamin b deficiencies because we never let our food age or we never eat aged or fermented foods so trust your eyes and nose if a food doesn't have a smell at all and it's not salt It's probably not food. It's foodiness. And if you can't see it because it's packaged, maybe don't buy it. Foodiness is food that has been embalmed, preserved for eternity, like Cher. Cher kind of creeps me out these days. She looks like a wax museum copy of herself. Basically, she looks embalmed. Why would you want to eat embalmed food? I mean, just like Cher's embalmed face, embalmed food can't be very good for you either or your career. Hello, Meg Ryan. So eat your bruised bananas. Cook those wilted carrots in your fridge. You got some moldy cheese in there? Take it out, cut off the moldy bits, wrap it up. Good as new. You paid for it. Why waste it? The only exception, of course, to that is moldy bread and moldy produce. Now, I've been known to cut the mold off the bread and the produce and eat it. But what I found out from my trusty research assistant is that really porous foods like bread and vegetables, if they get moldy, you should actually throw them out because they can develop invisible, toxic mold root threads that you can then ingest. So if you're the composting type, chuck it in there. Otherwise, chuck it in the bin. At least when you chuck it in the bin, you'll be chucking in less than you normally would. Hard, non porous foods like salami, cheese, you can trim the mold, no problem. They actually become salami and cheese because of things like mold and bacteria working their microbial food magic. Okay, we have to take a quick break when we come back. More about the timelessness of foodiness. Welcome back to Let's Get Real on Heritage Radio Network. We were all having a good time now listening to that song. I have no idea what he says in that first sentence, by the way. 44 years of listening to that song. I don't know what it is. Anyway, so we still tend to do things like shop and for food and store food. Like we're expecting a great famine or a long cold winter or a ongoing depression. Or recession? Oh, kind of like now. It's like our national psyche still thinks we live on the prairie in the 1860s and we better have enough food to get through the winter or that stash in the root cellar may run out and we may hit the bottom of the barrel of salted pork. I mean, back then they had to do that to survive. There was no foodiness. There were no supermarkets. People barely had fridges. And they had the skills to know how to keep their food and how to make it last safely. They were thrifty and smart and tuned into their natural senses. No foodiness product was going to save you in your little house on the prairie during the long winter or in that car with the Jodes. I hope everybody gets the reference there. So if you listen to my show regularly or if you used to listen to my old show, Why We Cook, you know that I'm a little bit obsessed with waste and wastefulness. And I am a seriously thrifty person. And it drives me nuts to see the way foodiness has completely altered the way we eat When you go into a supermarket and you have acres and acres of refrigeration filled with hundreds of variations of frozen pre-made food and boxes and cans and bottles and packages of foodiness, you know, think of the resources required to produce it and package it and keep it frozen and transport and then in freezer cases under 24-hour lighting so we can stand there with the doors of the case open while we decide if we want frozen pre-cooked scrambled eggs or pizza-flavored Hot Pockets. We live in this increasingly artificial world. We spend all of our time on the internet and staring at devices. We don't socialize as much or have friends. We have social media and friends. We don't know how to go out anymore, anywhere without looking at our phone all the time. There was just a survey done of college-age students, and 40% of them said that they would rather spend time on the internet than spend time actually interacting with people, I believe 40% of them said that the internet was more important to them than love, sex, dating, or friendship. Well, it's kind of scary. So we've kind of lost touch with what real life is like, and naturally our food has become fake too, and we've forgotten what real food is like. Now, of course, all of this can seem very overwhelming, but queuing in to food's life cycle can be an easy-to-use barometer toward food and away from foodiness, almost like a GPS for foodiness steer you away from those traps and hazards so let's get real about it what foodiness is well it doesn't have a smell generally or it has a smell but the smell has been added in by a smellerist that's like a flavorist for smell it doesn't live or die it usually doesn't even go bad You don't have to raise it or grow it or peel it or gut it or clean it or worst of all, cook it. And it doesn't have flavor, it has flavoring. It makes no mess, it takes no time to prepare because it's already prepared for you. Real food, on the other hand, has a scent, an aroma, a smell, good or bad, it's gonna have it. It has a life cycle. It's born, it lives, it ages, it decays, it dies, just like us. It has to be grown or raised or caught. It has flavor. Real flavor. The flavor that it was born with, not flavor from a lab. And it can be messy and drippy and gritty and sloppy and it takes time to repair, but it's worth it. So, just like it's easier to have a thousand Facebook friends than five real friends, it's easier to consume foodiness than food. But what are we missing? In the same way that we're missing the actual experience of a relationship when we have. Facebook friends and not friends. We're missing the taste, the real flavor, the real taste that came from nature. Of course, we're missing nutrition, the massively different levels of nutrition between food and foodiness. And we're really missing out on staying connected to that cycle, that birth and death cycle, that great circle of life that Elton Croons about, unfortunately. What are we getting from Foodiness. Well, nothing. We're getting fat and diabetic. We're turning into all those people on all those shows on TLC, those reality shows about hoarders and storage warriors and 600-pound people who can't leave their houses. Foodiness is turning us into those kinds of people. It's turning us into the wrong kind of people. Who do you want to be? Do you want to be a food person or do you want to be a foodiness person? I think you want to be the right kind of people. Or you can just forget everything I just said in the last 30 minutes and just remember this. If your food doesn't go bad, it probably is bad in a lot of different ways. And I'd say, potentially, theoretically, absolutely, that if your food doesn't go bad, it probably is bad. And also that your food is probably shit. And why would you want to eat shit? So next week, we'll be talking about soup in cans. I hope you'll join us. Now remember, you can always find all of these shows on the Heritage Radio Network Archive. You can also subscribe to the iTunes podcast. And you can find me on Facebook and Twitter at Let's Get Real Show. Thanks.
1: following is a message from jones family farms looking for that perfect christmas tree this season what about the perfect wine to go with your holiday dinner look no further than jones family farm a 400 acre working farm in connecticut jones family farms is as passionate about education as it is about farming whether you're picking fresh strawberries or exploring local wines we hope you're inspired to learn more about connecticut farming for more information visit www.jonesfamilyfarms.com This is a message from Vegan Pop-Up Shop. Looking for the perfect holiday gift for that special vegan in your life? Come down to the Vegan Holiday Shop-Up Sunday, December 4th from 12 to 5 p.m. at the Pine Box Rock Shop in Bushwick. There you'll find a wide array of vegan-friendly treats, eats, fashions, and home goods. From soy wax candles to homemade hot sauce, the Vegan Holiday Shop-Up has your vegan present needs covered. So come down early and stay late and enjoy a spicy Bloody Mary while you're there, and maybe leave with something extra for yourself.